Amen. <clears throat> Go ahead and open your Bibles to Revelation chapter 6. And I want to show one more slide, if we could. Um, our dear sister, Anne Stevens Roby, uh, Anne served the Lord for 35, 40 years in evangelism, meeting the needs of the poor. She had a great radio program twice a week, and she was part of our church. And uh, she went home to be with the Lord January 1st. And so we weren't able to celebrate her life, but we're going to do that in about 13 days. You're welcome to join us. Father, we thank you for the Word of God. It is eternal, life-changing, and powerful. So teach us today by your Spirit. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen. You got your Bibles? Hold them up. Let me see. Let me see your Bibles. Excellent. Well, uh, we're talking about the seven seals today. We're going chapter by chapter through the book. When you go chapter by chapter, you can't dodge anything. You have to deal with stuff, even the hard stuff. And sometimes, you may want to write this down, sometimes the hard things lead to good things. And without the hard things, we would never get to the good things. And let me give you just kind of a little, uh, we've been talking about vision lately. I want to give you our Church of the Savior values very quickly. You want to write these down? There's a place for it. In other words, what's non-negotiable? You know, we can negotiate on a lot of stuff, but there's some things we're just not going to negotiate on. And one is the lordship of Jesus. The scripture says, if you confess Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart, you shall be saved. And everything starts with the lordship of Jesus. If he's not Lord of us, he's not Lord of anything in our life. Next is the Holy Spirit. We value the third person of the Trinity. You cannot serve Jesus without the Holy Spirit. You can't love your spouse. You can't be an effective prayer person. You can't share the gospel. You can't do anything without the power of the Holy Spirit. He is actually the leader of the church and my leader and your leader. And then the authority of scripture. We love God's word. God's word is true. And we will always stand on what God thinks and says about things. And then The fourth one is prayer. Everyone say prayer. We want to be like the Acts 2 church. It was devoted to prayer. That's why we are a prayer-driven church. We are a presence-centered church. He is the most important guest, and he is also the host. And a prayer movement is growing in our city like never before. We've been exposing this unceasing prayer movement picture to churches and pastors in our city that would take one day a month to cover our city for 24 hours of prayer. And as of today, we have 11 churches that said, we're in. We'll take a day of the month. Bless the Lord. And then sharing the gospel. We must lovingly but boldly tell people about who Jesus is because their life can't be changed without the Lord Jesus Christ. And then once people receive Christ, we don't just say come to church. We want to put them in a system of helping them grow in the disciplines of the faith. That's called 
discipleship. And then number seven, people. Everyone say people. Did you know Jesus loves people? Turn to your neighbor and ask them if they are a people. Just go and ask them, are you a people? Jesus died for people. Jesus created people. Jesus values people. So therefore, we should love people, value people. No matter their past, no matter anything, we just love people and we want to help them. No matter where they are, whether they're here or they're across the world. And that leads us to the eighth one, and that is global missions. There's still two billion people on our planet that have not heard the name Jesus. And it's not fair for some of us to have all these resources and have heard about it multiple times and so many people have never heard once. We have to do our part in changing that. And then the last one is developing servant leaders. It's not about finding Christ. It's not about getting discipled in the faith. You have to pay it forward. You have to take what you've been given Invest it in the lives of other people one life at a time. That's how we're going to make a difference. That's how the awakening's going to come. Okay, you got it? I'm sorry, you got it? Okay, let's talk about what we're going to read. Heads up, giving you a warning. This is not easy material to read or talk about. This is hard stuff. But the hard stuff leads to glorious stuff. And the issue is, are we going to stick our head in the sand? Act like it's not here? Pretend Jesus didn't say it? Or are we going to pay attention and say, Lord, tell us what's coming. Prepare us for what's going to happen in our nation and our world. Prepare us so we can prepare our children. Now, Again, up front, I'm telling you, I'm a simple servant. I don't know everything. Some days I wonder if I know anything. But my job is to tell you what the scripture says, to attempt to tell you what it means, and then help us all learn to apply it. Okay, let's keep going. Now I want to give you four points to set up this chapter. If I give you four points up front, it'll make the rest of the chapter will make a lot more sense to you. Well, what are the four points? Here's here's the first one. When Jesus unwraps the scroll, it is one book. How many books is it? It's one book. It is the title deed to planet Earth. It is one book. And... um, This book has seven sections. Now, it's not a book like what we have today with a spine. It's scrolls that have been rolled up, and it has seven sections. Now, each section is separated by a seal. What's a seal? When a king, a diplomat, a businessman is doing a transaction... The document, after the document was signed and finished, it would be rolled. Hot wax would be poured on the edge of the document. Then the person in leadership would take their ring or their signet. It might be around their neck or they might even keep it in a safe. And they would place it in the hot wax. 
That meant no one could open the document except the person to whom it was sent. So each section of this document is separated by a seal. And we're going to read that the Lamb of God, who is the Lamb of God? Remember, the answers are always on the screen, third grade level. Jesus is the Lamb of God. And he opens a seal in this chapter, six of them, one at a time. Point number two. Our Heavenly Father is loving. Has he been kind and loving to you? Let's see your little hands. Oh, he's been so kind to me. He's been so thoughtful, even when he spanked me. I needed it, and he did it with love and affection. But foremost, he is holy. Everyone say holy. What does holy mean? Holy is defined as being morally perfect. There's no sin in him. There's no wrong in him. There's no temptation in him. There's no wickedness in him. He is morally perfect. We read a couple of weeks ago from Revelation 4, this phrase that the four living creatures said day and night, and they are the most powerful creatures ever created by the Father, the seraphim. Say it with me, please. Holy Holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty, who was, who is, and is to come. So foremost, he is holy. And he cannot tolerate rebellion and sin for very long. Now, thank the Lord, he has been patient with us. Can I hear an amen? We all would have been toast a long time ago. He's very patient with us, but there comes a time he will act. There comes a time, he says, that's enough. And that's because he is just. He is righteous. He is holy. If he didn't act, he would not be loving. And I would suggest you fathers and mothers, if you don't correct your children, you are not loving to them. Don't put up with a sharp tongue. Don't put up with disrespect. Don't put up with laziness. Don't put up with rebellion. You deal quick and you deal strong with it. That proves that you love your children. Because the Father does that to us. The Heavenly Father does. He disciplines everybody he loves. For instance, this demon-possessed dictator that killed 50 million people, he got his day in court. People that think it's fun to commit murder, he had his day in court. And when a dictator feels like he can do whatever he wants to and march into a nation and kill thousands of people, he's got his day in court too. Well, if he's got his day in court... You all have your day in court, and I have my day in court too, because God is holy. Luckily, all of our sins have been forgiven because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. Now, God's going to bring the judgments in chapter 6 for two reasons. What are the two reasons? One, he's going to punish evil once and for all. 
And we read in this chapter, the seven seals that are broken, the seven seals go to seven trumpets. So you see seals, trumpets, and finally seven bowls. The last judgment of each phase opens the door to the next seven. Let me let this sink in just for a minute. The second reason for the judgments we see in chapter six, uh, has our nation been wicked, yes or no? Yes, we have been. It's to cause people to repent of their sin, to humble themselves before the living God and to receive Jesus Christ as their Savior, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. God has a plan. Remember what I said? Sometimes good thing, bad things happen and good things follow. It is very, very, very sad to me. About 90% of all people that become Christians, did you know they do it before age 19? 90%. After age 19, normally it takes a tragedy. It takes a broken heart. It takes devastation for somebody to rethink their position. It's much easier to hear the voice of the Lord and surrender to him rather than for the Father to use extreme pressure in people's lives. Now, if you want to have an effective ministry, here's a simple way to do it. Look for people that are not doing well and go help them. Go love them. Go pray for them. You got a neighbor down the street that's not doing well. Pray for them, but go see them. If you've got somebody who's got... They're living wrong and they won't return your call. I've done this. I've gone to their work and waited in the parking lot because I loved them. Leaning on the hood of my car because I care for them. So look for people undergoing extreme pressure. And it is the pressure. I've got lots of friends that I've had this frank discussion. You've not had enough pain yet. You still think you're God, and you still think you're in charge, but you've not figured it out. You're not God, and you're not in charge. So you got more pain coming because of the crazy choices that you are making. People have to surrender to his will before they can know him and love him back. And maybe there's some of you in this room today that are knuckleheads. You could be 15 and you're a knucklehead. Or you could be 55 and you're a knucklehead because you think you're the one that controls your life and you do not. Now let's read the passage. We'll start with this first section. Chapter 6, verse 1. Then I saw when the lamb broke one of the seven seals and I heard one of the four living creatures saying with a voice of thunder, Come. I looked, and behold, there was a white horse, and he who sat upon it had a bow, 
And a crown was given him, and he went out conquering and to conquer. We're going to see riders on four different horses. By and large, these are not individuals on these horses. Maybe with the exception of the first horse. These are forces that are unleashed by God. I want to say, because some Christians see this and say that's Jesus on the white horse. No, it is not. Jesus comes much later on a white horse. This is an imposter on a white horse. A white horse represents one thing. It represents a season of time where there is unparalleled world peace because of the guy on the horse. The name of this one is the Antichrist. He comes to power. He will usher in a time of calm. And he is a counterfeit to the true king that will come later. Our enemy always tries to counterfeit what God is doing. The bow in his hand is a symbol of war. But there's an interesting thing. I've read this 50, 60, 70 times and I never caught this. The fact that the bow has no arrows implies that the ascension to power of this mighty man is not through warfare but through treaties and agreements. It's almost like the threat of war causes people to do business and sign treaties and acquiesce. Are you with me so far? What I'm putting up on the screen is a treaty signed by the then president of the Ukraine and Vladimir Putin. And the treaty essentially said, uh, we're taking Crimea one way or the other. If you sign it over, we won't invade you. Well, look how long that lasts. Jesus said the person on the white horse went out conquering and he never stopped conquering. He kept conquering and conquering more. Now, most of the world, the scripture says, will follow the one on the white horse because they are going to be obsessed with trying to find a lasting peace. Jesus said in the passage, now again, we want to do our best just to see what does the Bible say? A crown was given to this one on the white horse. Now, years ago, the prime minister of Great Britain flew to Berlin, I guess, and entered into a peace treaty with Germany. Boo is right. Because he said, I've just made peace with Germany, so we will never have war because this guy, Hitler, is a great guy, and he's promised me to never, he'll never have war. But he did ask for one thing. And so Great Britain gave him Czechoslovakia, 1938. Now, I've always wondered, how does one country give another country to another country without their permission? That's exactly what he did. 
Now, this is very important as we watch things play out in our country because it has happened rapidly in our country in the last five years, 10 years, 20 years. And that is people all over the world will give up their civil liberties for perceived peace. Just leave me alone and I won't make any noise. Folk, if you pay attention to what's going on in our land, we're giving away more and more and more freedom almost on a daily basis. It's the way things happen. Seal number two. And the lamb broke the second seal, and I heard the second living creature, that's the seraphim, say this, come, and another horse, a red horse went out, and to him who sat on it, it was granted to take peace, everyone say take peace, from the earth that men would slay one another, with a, and a great sword was given to him. What color is the horse? And this blood red appearance tells us, speaks about the coming holocaust of war like has never been on the planet before. The time of peace that came with the first rider, maybe three years or so, is now over because the scripture said it was granted to this force to take away peace. To take away peace. So violence, assassination, revolt, massacre, slaughter will become commonplace across the globe. You say, Steve, I don't like to talk about this. I don't like to teach about it. But it's in the book. It's in the book. Seal number three, verse five. And he broke the third seal. And I heard the third living creature say, come. I looked and behold, there was a black horse. What color? He who sat on it had a pair of scales in his hands. That's very important. I heard something like a voice in the center of the four living creatures saying this, a quart of wheat for a denarii, three quarts of barley for a denarii. And do not damage the oil and the wine. The rich folk ate products of wheat. The poor folks and animals ate products from a much cheaper form, barley. Black signifies famine across the earth. The war that happened with the previous Force will destroy much of the food supply, which will spawn global hunger. The scales in the hand of the one on the black horse indicates the scarcity of food during this time. So there will be rationing, food lines. Now in the hand of this man in the photograph is a denarii from the time of Christ. 
What's a denarii, Pastor? It is equivalent to one day's wage for a normal working man. So the scripture said a man, a family is going to work hard all day and all their income will go just toward their sustenance. It said protect the wine and the oil. Rich folk, upper middle class folk would bake from oil and wine. And so it will become a luxury that will need to be bartered and protected and stored. Seal number four. When the lamb broke the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature say this, come, everyone say come. I looked and behold an ashen horse. He who sat on it had the name death and Hades was following with him. Authority was given them over a fourth of the earth to kill with the sword and with famine, with pestilence and by the wild beasts of the earth. What does ashen mean? Like ashes. Gray. The ashen horse represents a time of widespread death on the earth like never before. The scripture even gives us a figure. 25% of the population will not make it during this time. These are graves from the Ukraine. Hades is the place of the wicked dead, not the place of people that love Jesus. Hades is for those who reject Christ. I just did a little Google search, and next year the population of the world will be 8 billion. That's not very far away. If you... Do some figuring at 25%. That's a lot of people that will lose their life. Now, I'm going to sprinkle in some good news throughout this. I want you to have hope. I want you to know the hard stuff, but I want you to have hope. And people say, well, where is the church during this time? Well, where is, when is Jesus coming back for his people? Well, I could spend three hours talking about Jesus coming back before all this happens. But I could also spend hours talking about where it may be later on in the book. But this is what he wants us to know. Now, evangelism is very important to us, and it should be important to you. People need Jesus. Plain and simple. There is a heaven to gain and there is a hell to shun. And every person living will be in one of those two places. And Jesus has given us, the body of Christ, the great opportunity of sharing the gospel. Everyone say gospel. What is the gospel? It's good news. It's good news everywhere. It's good news to every person. It's good news today. And we ought to act like we have good news and we ought to share the good news because revelation is true. 
and all of us are mortal. Yesterday morning, I loved sports, enjoyed sports, but this gentleman right here, quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers, Dwayne Haskins, All-American right up the road here at Ohio State. Everybody said great teammate, hardworking, smart, talented guy. They don't even know what happened. But yesterday morning, he was walking beside or on a highway at 6.30 in the morning. A truck hit him and killed him in the dark. And coaches and reporters and writers were talking about how horrible it was. You know what I thought of the very first thing when I heard it? I wondered if he knew Jesus. When I meet a waitress, I wonder if she knows Jesus. When I meet a new neighbor, I wonder if she knows Jesus. I hope Dwayne Haskins had a praying mother. I hope Dwayne Haskins had a coach that shared Jesus with him. I hope there on the Pittsburgh Steelers football team when they were training Miami this week, I pray there was a Bible study. And God's held hands and said, we love you, Jesus. I pray that was true, but I don't know. I don't know. We don't have tomorrow. We don't have next week. We have today. If you don't know Jesus, you need to get that fixed today. Not wait till you clean up. Not till you get in a better place. Not till you try harder. No, just let go of your sin Give your heart to Jesus and start serving him. Now look at the fifth seal. Verse 9. Then the lamb broke the fifth seal. I I saw underneath the altar the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God and because of the testimony that they had maintained. And they cried out with a loud voice saying, How long, O Lord? How long, O Lord, how long, O Lord, holy and true, will you refrain from judging and avenging our blood on those who dwell on the earth? And there was given to each one of them a white robe. Everyone say white robe. And they told they should rest. Everyone say rest. There comes a time you have to rest. You can't fix something. You can't change a heart. You did the best you could. Now it's time to rest. You need to rest. And wait a little longer until the number of their fellow servants and their brethren who were killed, even as they had been, would be completed. This is very significant, this fifth seal. It's a prayer movement. It's a prayer movement in heaven that joins a prayer movement here on earth. But it's a prayer movement that changes things. It's the prayers of believers that have given their lives for Jesus Christ. And more and more will be killed. And their prayers will release judgment on the empire of the Antichrist. When I was in Iraq three years ago, going with some of our global servants riding across Kurdistan, we saw some villages that proudly had crosses at their front gate. And my friends were telling me that when, uh, gosh, what's her name? The bad boys. When ISIS came in there and these 
villages. They would march people out in the street. They were Christians and make them all kneel and ask them this question. Will you renounce Jesus and convert to Islam? You have two seconds. With 50 lined up, kneeling there in the dirt road, many of those villages, every one of those Christians said, I serve Jesus. Even children, grandpas and grandmothers, I serve Jesus. Their cry, how long, O Lord, how long, O Lord, I don't believe is a plea for personal revenge. But instead, it's a plea for God to bring his rule to this dark planet and put an end to all evil. How many look forward to the time when Jesus rules everything and there's no more darkness, no more murder, no more wickedness? Well, that time is coming. They were told to be patient. They were given white robes, which showed their relationship as sons and daughters of the living God. And they were told to rest because the father had a perfect timing. You see, he was patient even with wicked people. And he wanted to give as many folk as possible the chance to surrender and know him. And there's something I've read many times, but I didn't see the meaning of it. Then Jesus promised one day, everyone say one day, the last martyr will give their life. And they will be welcomed into heaven and applauded and hugged. One last martyr, the number of their fellow servants would be killed. The number would be Completed. Seal number six. Are you still with me? Nobody's left so far. Thank you. Verse 12. I looked and he broke the sixth seal. There was a great earthquake and the sun became black like sackcloth made of hair. The whole moon became like blood and the stars of the sky fell to the earth. Like a fig tree casts its unripe figs when shaken by a great storm. The sky was split apart like a scroll when it's rolled up. Every mountain and island were moved out of their places. Then the kings of the earth, notice in verse 15, the kings of the earth, the great men, the commanders, the rich, the strong, every slave, every free man hid themselves in caves among the rocks and the mountains. And they said to the mountains and to the rocks, fall on us, fall on us, hide us from the presence of him who's on the throne and from the wrath of the lamb. And the great day of their wrath has come. Who is able to stand? This sixth seal is worldwide Geophysical upheaval, earthquakes. If you read through the book and you mark them carefully, there's like five different waves of earthquakes across the world. 
right across the Caribbean to us in Haiti, 2010, people asleep. It's just a normal night. They had no idea that an earthquake was shaking their island. And 300,000 people went into eternity. They didn't know. Asteroids apparently will collide and land and hit and bring devastation on our planet. Where do you get that? Jesus said, stars of the sky will fall to the earth like a fig tree shakes and casts its unripe figs in a storm. Mountain ranges will shift powerfully. And tsunamis will rack wreak havoc on the coastlands. You say, Steve, could this be true? Jesus hit every mountain, every island will be affected. This is picture of the 2004 Indian Ocean tsunami. We've never lived through anything like that. Claimed 227,000 lives. Nobody knew what was coming. Look at that yacht sitting on top of a building. Started near Indonesia, that earthquake that went under the oceans and through the massive tidal waves. Now, let's kind of wrap this up. When you read the Bible, you need to think about it. This is not a bedtime story. This is a guidebook. Now, are you ready for the question? Is Jesus serious about getting people's attention? Would that be yes or no? Is he very serious? Why is he serious? Because he loves people. He loves people. If he would die on a cross for you, why would he not want good for you? The question is, what does he have to do to get your attention? Are you a hardhead? Are you a knucklehead? Are you on again, off again? Are you one way on Sunday and another way on Friday? Do you have a secret life that your wife doesn't know about? Do you have a secret life that your parents don't know about? Are you dealing with stuff that you know is wrong and it's tearing you up on the inside? It is destroying you from the inside and yet you just feel feel this pull toward darkness. Here's a promise. Jesus is going to get your attention one way or the other. Do you have a tender heart? Are you hard-headed? Now, the things we just read about going to affect whoever is on the planet Earth and doesn't know Jesus at this time. And John lists seven categories of people. 
I'd never seen this before. I read it, but I didn't pay attention. What do you mean? Seven categories. He says it. The first one is kings. The people at the very top, they're the first to run. Did you know that? And then another group is great men. What, who would the great men be? That's world leaders. And then a third group. Who's this guy? This is the owner of Amazon or rich men. They think they're untouchable. They think nothing could mess them up. Well, they are sincerely wrong. Who is this man? The founder and owner of Twitter. And then commanders. Who are commanders? That's military leaders. This is Erdogan, the the dictator who took over Turkey and threw out democracy. All these military generals, he basically got rid of them and threw them in prison because he didn't want anybody telling him what to do. And the mighty men, the governors of Atlanta, the mayors of New York and Chicago and powerful people. And then every slave. What are you talking about every slave? You got to remember the Roman Empire was a place where somewhere between 10 and 20% of all people were enslaved. They worked against their will. And the last category is free men. That's just average folk that are working every day to support their family. And then Jesus goes on to say this, none of those people, none of those people can hide from the one true God, from the Son, Jesus Christ. None of them can hide. I'm going to ask the worship team, would you guys come on out? And I want to ask you today, are you hiding today? Are you hiding Thinking God doesn't see, God doesn't care. You can't hide. There's no reason to pretend. There's no reason to put on a mask. Just be who you are and be honest about it. Pretending will wear you out. It's a burden you can't live with. All of Satan's kingdom is about pretending. This verse in Hebrews Some of us ought to memorize it. Repeat it with me, please. There is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are open and laid bare to the eyes of him to whom we must all deal with one day. I want to end this really hard passage on a high note. I want you to go out of here going, yay, Jesus, we got this. This is a time for heroes. This is a time for champions. Especially you folks that are 30, 20, age 10, age 6. The years ahead are going to be the greatest years in the history of Christendom. Because God's going to mobilize you. And he's going to use you and you will be honored in heaven because you say, Lord, use me during this hard season 
use me. Let me explain. If you got your Bible still open, turn over one chapter. You see, sometimes bad things have to come before you can let the good things come. Chapter 7. Here's what's going to happen immediately after chapter 6. What, Steve? Huge numbers of people who hear the gospel like never before and huge numbers that come to Christ. The greatest revival in the history of the planet is on its way. And it is pressure that will help make it happen. Look with me. Look at this marvelous stuff. If you didn't pay attention to anything, I want you to mark this in your Bible. Verse 9, and after these things, after what things? The things we just read. I looked, and behold, a great multitude which no one could count. From every nation, every tribe, every people group, every language standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes of sonship and forgiveness. And they had palm branches in their hands, the greatest Palm Sunday ever. And they cry out with a loud voice, salvation to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And look at 13. One of the 24 elders, the most honored people in the history of the world, turn to John and say, John, do you know who these people are? John, do you know where these people have come from? And he says, I have no idea. And verse 14 says, these are the ones who come out of the great tribulation. They've washed their robes and made them white by the blood of the Lamb. So I want to give you hope today. What we're doing this year is not for this year. It's for the future. Our prayers, our giving, our evangelism, our teaching, everything online is about the future. Getting ready for the greatest harvest in the history of the globe. Now I want to close our time in prayer and I want to open the altar. Lord, today I bind all fear. I bind all worry. And today in this room and people watching online, I release great hope, great faith, a great determination to walk with Jesus and serve him. And Lord, a calling over every person. Father, prepare us for the glorious days ahead. And Lord, for anyone in this room that's not given their heart to Jesus or watching online, that they would pray with me right now and say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart today and be my Savior and Lord. I give you my life.
Use me for your glory. Forgive me of your sins. Wash me in your blood. And outfit me with a beautiful white robe. Because I will serve you. In Jesus' name. The altar is open for this last time of worship. If you want to get on your face and cry out for someone that's lost, if you want to humble yourself before him, if you want to confess your sin, the altar is open. Come and respond. shadows deepen we do but do you know that all the dark won't stop the light from getting through we do do you wish that you could see it all made new creation groaning it is coming it is is the glory of the Lord to be the light within our midst it is is it good that we remind ourselves of Is anyone whole? Is anyone? 
Is he worthy? Oh, come on now. Is he worthy? Is he worthy to be praised? Every single day of our lives. Listen, there's only two options here. The first option is to live for the glory of God by receiving Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior and allowing the Holy Spirit to do what we can't do for ourselves and make the miraculous happen in our lives. That's the life that he's called us to live. The other alternative is to go through life and wonder what happened. We don't want the alternative. We're going to live for the glory of God through Jesus Christ, and we're going to prepare ourselves for great things to come. And everybody believe that great things are coming our way. Do you believe that? That's right. It may get harder, but great things are coming our way. We know how the story ends, right? We win. We win. We win. Father, thank you for a great day in your house as we just gather around your throne room. One day we'll all be around your throne room in glory, looking at glory. Thank you for giving us a glimpse of your glory here this morning to prepare us that no eye has seen, no ear has heard the things that you've prepared for us, but you have revealed it to us by your Holy Spirit. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great day. Go get your children. There'll be people to pray for you uh, to my left and to my right. Continue to put names on the walls as well. Thank you.